Lights up a little bit if you want to go and turn to Psalm 145. That's where we're going to be for the next little while. Psalm 145. If you would allow me just to read the, I just want to read the whole thing. This description of our God and who He is. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. All the works shall be given, uh, I'm sorry, all all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. I mean, that's just good, right? That's just good, good, good. That's worth, like, circling, highlighting in your Bible. That's worth uh, making a favorite in your Bible app, you know, that you just read sometimes. Um, So much goodness is there in talking about who who our God is and what he's like. And, you know, the last five weeks, um, I was doing a series on adoption and um, how he has brought us into his family. And so there's just been a lot of family talk. And even, I mean, even like last Sunday night afterwards, we had had a fundraiser to help our families help pay for their kids to go to kids camp and youth camp, you know. And so um, all that work goes into this thing to try and help each other out a little bit, you know. And so, and also, by the way, thanks for everyone who helped pull that off. That was awesome. And uh, all the families are very like, grateful for the work and for the money and all that kind of stuff to help offset those costs. Um, we have a tailgate party this Saturday. That's more like family time to hang out. We, we host the BCM's party, and we just kind of invite our whole church to come to. 
And so it'll be at the BCM uh, on Saturday, and that's so much of us just kind of getting to hang out together and spend time with the group of sons and daughters he's kind of pushed us together into, you know, to be a family. Um, and we'd love for all of you to come to that. And the next weekend, there's a potluck. And that's like a, that's, that conveys a lot of family stuff, right? Everybody brings something and shares it and whatever, and we'll do the same thing. We'll eat outside. It'll be awesome. So there's a lot of family life going on, a lot of things that um, just that whole vibe has been really strong. And in between that series and the series I'm going to do next, which won't be next week, but the next week, there are kind of just these two, two Sundays where I was like, Lord, I'm not real sure what to preach on, you know, and, what I was going to do tonight, I pushed to next week, because this is going to kind of be an, an appendix, sort of, to the previous series. Um, because it, it's easy to get all jazzed about you know, being adopted into this family, and we're all sons and daughters, and we're co-heirs with Jesus, and he's our brother. And there's a lot of that kind of talk, but not a lot of talk about the Father. Not a lot of talk about the Father. And not because I was avoiding it, I just kind of noticed that we... We really gel very easily with Jesus. But God the Father, there's, some, there's just kind of something that's, that's different in how we relate to Him. You know? The Spirit of God, He's so mysterious and He's just wacky. right? Like he's just kind of, oh, you know, so we can relate to Him. You know, he's, he's, he's the Holy Spirit and Jesus is Jesus. But the Father is a little bit more mysterious. And in praying and in talking with different people and just kind of the, all the pieces kind of came together. Uh, I want to spend a few minutes tonight talking about something that's going to make some of you really uncomfortable. Um, and some of you, you know, some of you won't be uncomfortable with it or whatever, but some of you guys are going to hate the next half hour. And I'm sorry. But I was trying to think about, uh, just think through this. What is it about relating to the Father that's so strange? Um, you know, the, the 1980s gave us a lot of great things. And it seems like you have to get about 20 years away from something before you start to appreciate it. Uh, so right now, you know, everybody's like loving the 90s, you know, and like 90s rock music is on its way back, unfortunately. So all you Three Doors Down fans, you know, congratulations. Um, hopefully not Nickelback. I think, they're, I think they're done. I think they're done. But um, the 80s gave us a lot of great things. One of the... One of the the great films from the 80s, though, is The Breakfast Club. You know, and you, if you've never seen it, just turn the TV on to TBS on a Saturday, and you will probably catch it at some point. It's on all the time. Um, if you haven't seen it, I won't, I won't spoil it or anything. Uh, it's not a real dense plot or anything. But um, you have these, these teenagers who get a Saturday detention, and so they have to go spend the whole school day there on Saturday with the principal. Um, and uh, it's a John Hughes film, and it's, it's just one of those kind of like teenage, coming-of-age kind of just films that you can kind of find yourself in it somewhere. And you have these, they're different kids, so you have the, you have the really smart kid, you have the, the athlete, you have the kid that's just kind of strange. You have the rebel, and you have the, like the popular kid, right? And so, um, perfect plot for a movie, right? Take five people who are teenagers and have nothing in common and probably all make fun of each other in different, their different like cliques or whatever, put them in a room together, make them hang out for a Saturday and just see what happens. All right, it's perfect. Perfect movie plot. But there's something about this particular movie that people are drawn to, and I think one of the themes that you see is over the course of the school day as they venture around the, the empty school and getting into all kind of shenanigans, uh, at different points they all end up talking about their parents. 
They all end up, they're making fun of each other, they're making fun of each other, and they're picking, 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 and then finally it comes out why, why the, the athlete is such a bully, you know? And the popular girl about the, how her parents just use each other to get back, at, they use her to get back at each other. And the strange girl is just neglected, and the rebel, he's, he's, a, uh, he's abused, you know, and the, the smart kid is just constantly under pressure to, like, make good grades and stuff like that. And there's this, this really strong, like, parent theme that runs throughout the thing, and they all end up bonding over the fact that they, they are the way that they are because everybody comes from somewhere, and they just never really took the time to know that about each other, and then once they do, they, they kind of gel a little bit. And you've probably experienced this too in your community groups. At different points, people will share things about their backgrounds and their families, and it kind of, kind of informs everyone. This is hey, this is how why I am this way. This is, this is it, you know. And so I want to talk for a few minutes specifically about um, what's known as as the father wound. And that's why I say some of you are going to hate this. So let me, let me, let me, let me get a few, a few ground rules out there at first. Um, I'm going to talk, I'm going to use specific terminology. When I talk about your earthly father, I'm going to, talk, I'm going to call him like dad. Talk about your dads. When I talk about the father, the heavenly father, like that will be God the father. So dad, earthly, father, heavenly. Okay. Um, the point here is not to exalt our dads or to bash our dads. The point here is to, is to highlight the fact that the influence that our dads had on us growing up is undeniable when it comes to relating to God as Father. Makes a huge, huge impact on you, whether you realize it or not. Everybody comes from somewhere. In this room, there are some really great examples of dads. And then there's the other end of the spectrum some terrible examples, and then everywhere in between. Um, all of our dads are just like us, right? We're all broken and in need of a Redeemer, in need of His grace and His forgiveness, and in need of so much. So we can recognize the fact that your dad had an, an impact on you and the way that you look at the Father. You can recognize that and even be critical of that and at the same time you can be gracious and loving with your dad you know there's no so i don't want this to be strange um but we don't talk about this enough so i'm gonna talk about it tonight and it's not a series so those of you who are like i'm never coming back ever again don't worry it's just tonight except for community group this week that'll that's a whole other thing okay uh and and here's the last thing before we get into the text um i would really like for all of us to listen as as sons and daughters, and not as parents. We have a lot of parents in this room, especially uh, parents with little kids who are, you're learning, you're figuring it out, and that kind of stuff. And it would be easy for everything that I'm about to say to apply, for you to try and apply it to your life as a parent. And there is like goodness in that, and there's time for that, but I would like for you as best you can to delay that. Instead of thinking of your influence on your kids, I want you to think about your dad's influence on you. Not mom. The mom wound is a different, that's a whole different animal. The father wound specifically is what I'm going to talk about tonight. So if you can, if you can listen as a son or as a daughter, and you can think in that realm only, let the other applications come at at another point. Okay? Um, What I'd like to do is to walk through this psalm. 
and look at all of the ways that God the Father, look at everything He is. And in some places, you're going to find spots where your dad was just like this. In other spots, you're going to find places where your dad was the opposite of this. Some of you had dads who you don't even know who they are. They were never around. All those things are going to apply. The focus tonight, though, is not, it's not primarily on your dad. The focus is on the goodness of our Father in heaven, whose name is Holy. All right? Okay. Let's look at this psalm. Verse, first three verses. I will extol you, my God and King. Bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Let me just make a blanket statement that you need to, like you, I, all of us need to embrace. That God, the Father, and your dad are not the same. They're not the same. If you had a phenomenal dad, I mean, like practically, like Jesus in the flesh, as much as you can possibly imagine him, God the Father is infinitely better than even him. And if you had a terrible dad, and whatever that looks like, good news for you also. God the Father is infinitely better than him also. That he's nothing, he's nothing like it, uh, like your dad. He's better than the best. He's the opposite of the worst. These verses talk about blessing the name of God. Bless his name forever. Praise his name. Some of you don't even want to say your dad's name. But your father in heaven, his name is one that you just want to just say over and over and over and over and over and over. We sing some of those songs We're lifting up this God who is nothing like that. And so if you struggle to relate to God as Father because of of how you related to your dad, you are not alone. All of us have different things that we carry around with us like that. But the overarching truth in this whole topic of conversation is that they're not the same. They're not the same. I'll keep going. Verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Your Father in heaven, His, his works and His deeds deserve to be thought about. Says, I'm going to meditate. I'm just going to think about how amazing you are. You think about his his works. They're worthy of being thought about and told about and retold about and bragged about forever and ever and ever and ever. Some of you may not be proud of your dad. You know. You may not want to think about his works too much. You may not want to think about his actions and his. His deeds and his, his words and his presence and his all this. You might not want to meditate on that. You might not want to retell that and brag about that and boast about that. You might be kind of ashamed of that at times. Or maybe he's just really neutral. Maybe he's just, you know, I, it's just not, well. But your Father in heaven, 
His works are worthy of just sitting around and just thinking about. They're that great. You can just meditate on it. And brag. And you can tell other people. Saying for generations, we're going to be telling about his works. God the Father is not like your dad. He's not the same. You, your relationship to God the Father will morph and change and evolve. And if, you're, if you feel like you're coming from a very, a very like opposite end of the spectrum from that, he understands that. He, he gets it. He's not upset with you because you struggle to relate to him. That's kind of why we're talking about it, though. If you haven't really dug into that and thought about that, then you don't even know sometimes that you're projecting your dad's life and personality and stuff onto him. So while we're all, you know, it's so easy to relate to Jesus, but the Father, sometimes you find yourself very distant and very shy, and you're like, I don't understand why. Well, it's because Father means something to you that doesn't easily translate. And perhaps Psalm 145 is a gift to us to help us see the contrast. Again, not to put down our dads. It's to exalt our Heavenly Father and to see the difference. See the grace extended to us and to our dads. Let's keep going. Verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He's made. Let me give you a heads up. Community group this week is on, that, on verse 8. Gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And we're going to talk about, in our groups, we're, like this is where you get to share. You're going to share of those things, of the things just in that one verse. What are some things based on your, your dad, his personality, his relationship with you, just all the things that you experienced growing up? What are things in that list that you, that you understand better because his example was very clear to you? And then we're going to talk about what are things that you really struggle to understand because your dad wasn't gracious and he wasn't merciful and he was very quick to anger and he was not steadfast in his love. And so I hope that you don't skip group this week. I understand why it might be strange, but a lot of our groups and our relationships, we've been together for a while. Sharing these things should hopefully we all know, hey, this is like a safe place to do this. And so your opportunity to personally process this with a group of people that love you is coming up this week. And it's not going to be a series or that either. It's just, I really just feel like God wants us to get this out on the table and help us identify the way that we're projecting. And so, if that scares you, and like your idea of walking into a group and getting blindsided by that makes you uncomfortable, I anticipated that. And I was like, I'm going to tell everybody on Sunday that this is coming, and your group leaders are going to email everyone who's not here, and just let them know, because that's kind of a deep, important, personal thing. But this verse, let me just run through these things real quick. Um, the Lord is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. You don't have to earn your Father in heaven. You don't have to earn His approval or His love. He's gracious. It means that he, he freely gives His love and His approval and the generosity, and He loves you just for being you. So if your dad, if you felt like you always had to earn His 
His approval, His well done, His love, His attention. If you're always trying to earn it, earn it, earn it, earn it. You need to know that your Father doesn't work that way. But you also need to know that that's the, that's the normal pattern that you're going like, to kind of groove in. That you're going to tend to project that onto Him. Now maybe, maybe you've come out of that. Maybe, you've, you know, maybe that's a part of your sanctification, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's a part of your frustration and how maybe your relationship with God doesn't ever really seem to gel. A lot of times you go sit down with a counselor and that's at some point what they're going to talk about is the authority structure you grew up in. Mom, dad, aunts, uncles, grandparents, you know, whoever, who are the primary voices and what were they like? And if you always felt like, whether it was real or not, felt like you had to earn it, you need to know that God the Father does not work that way. That you're in a situation where he loves you and approves of you just for being you. Not because you act right or behave right. I wish we could get the word behave just kind of out of, out of our whole like, vernac- like vernacular, you know. So you just need to be you. So the Lord is gracious. The Lord is, the next thing he says is he's merciful. Mercy is, is his compassion and his goodness toward those who are miserable and in distress. If your dad never comforted you, if you were sad and your, and your dad ridiculed you or ignored you or told you to suck it up or whatever, or if you never had a dad around to just kind of like pull you up in his arms and hold on to you for a little bit and let you be sad, you need to know that your father is not like your dad. That he is merciful toward you. That he, he like gives a rip when you are sad. Even if you're sad over something silly. That he's merciful and compassionate with you. Next thing it says, he's slow to anger. In other words, he is really patient. If you were scared to death of your dad because you never knew if he was going to just blow up or whatever and he was super impatient, then the chances are you, you tend to think that God's kind of the same way. Like you kind of tiptoe around because you're just kind of worried that at any moment he's going to just like fly off the handle. And so people who grow up with dads who are impatient tend to think that God's kind of always mad at them. Or always on the verge of it. And this tells us that he is slow to anger. He is amazingly patient with us. Your Heavenly Father is not like your dad. Last thing, uh, his, his love is steadfast. He's not hit or miss. So if you grew up in a house where you never knew, you never knew which dad was going to come home from work, you know? God is steady. He's always the same. His, his like agape, like self-giving, generous, consistent love for you is like bedrock. He's not like your dad. Now I don't want to assume that everyone had dads that were the opposite of these things. Some of you had dads that were great examples of this. And I hope that you're grateful. I hope you tell them. But if you didn't, you just need to know that there's a difference. Let's keep going. We okay? We all right? Okay. This was super fun to prepare, by the way. <laughs> super light. Okay. Look at verse 10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. You might not be grateful for your dad. 
But this says that we will like forever be thankful and thanking our Father in Heaven. Because He's not like our dads. Verse 11. They they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your heavenly Father is faithful to keep his promises. Some Some of the wounds from dads come from them not keeping their promises. Some of you carry around a ton of family baggage because your dad said he would do something and he didn't. Or he just pieced out completely. He was never reliable. He was not faithful. Your Heavenly Father is not like your dad. Verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Your Father in Heaven... He endures all the way to the end. He will never give up. Not on you. Not on his promises. Not on us. He, will, he endures. If your dad was a flake, don't project that onto your God, who is as faithful and steady as anything and anyone that you've ever seen in your life. And he always keeps all of his promises He's faithful and endures all the way to the end. Verse 14. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The falling and the bowed down, and what is he doing? He's upholding them. He's raising them up. Your Father in Heaven is supportive of you. He supports you. Maybe your dad just wasn't that supportive. Maybe he just kind of never, you know, didn't really seem to care very much about things you're interested in or going to try or risks that you're going to take or you asked for his input and he was like, I don't know, whatever. That he is supportive no matter what you're facing. He's there to raise raise you up, lift you up, support you, encourage you. He's not against you. He's for you. Some of you grew up feeling like your dad was always opposing you, opposing you, opposing you. And here's this Father in Heaven who is all about your success. Not in, not in the American dream kind of way. In the like flourishing and abundant life way that he made you live. He's all for that. He wants that more than you want that. He wants your holiness more than you want your holiness. He wants your freedom from sin patterns and struggles even more than you do. He is supportive. He upholds and lifts up. Verse 15. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. Your Father in heaven is a provider. He provides what you need. Maybe not what you want, all right? What you need when you need it. Some of you maybe come from families where your dad was not a provider. And that was always a source of bitterness and tension. You just never really knew, you just never really knew, you never got a sense of 
whatever that wasn't, it just wasn't very important to him that he provide for the needs of you, maybe your siblings, maybe your mom, whatever. Your heavenly father is not like your dad. Verse 16. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Your heavenly father is generous in his efforts to care for you. He's not stingy. He's not like holding, holding on to something. He's, he opens his hands to care for us. From this abundant, abundance of resources and love. and like That's how he's providing. If you grew up with a dad who was always holding out on you. And you believe that God is always holding out on you. And you're buying a lie that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's where it all started. When the serpent was like, uh, you know, so God told you what about the fruit? Is that really what he said? Isn't eating that fruit the doorway to a whole new life where you could actually be like him? He's holding out on you. He's not who he said he was. Your father is not like your dad. If your dad was stingy, if your dad was a hoarder of resources, of love, of whatever it is, if he was always holding things back to himself, your father, you know that your father in heaven is completely open-handed and absolutely generous to the point where everything he has is yours. The prodigal son returns, the older brother gets mad, and what does the dad say? Hey, look, everything I have is yours. Jesus, our co-heir and brother, won the whole world on the cross and shares the spoils of his victory with us. We have a generous family. You're part of a generous family now. Verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Righteousness. Righteousness is holiness in action. It's when your actions, your words, and your deeds, when they're consistent with the holiness uh, that is like who you are in your true character. So God is holy, and all that he does is holy, and that's his righteousness. Everything he does is right. You may not have come from a home where everything dad did was holy. In fact, I don't think any of us grew up in a home where that was the case 100% of the time, right? Your father in heaven is always perfect in what he does. That he has never been affected by sin. So all of his actions, all of his motives, all of his timing, everything about everything he does is absolutely perfect. So if your dad, and the way that you were brought up, that things were questionable, and you never really were sure of the motives, and you weren't real sure of the timing, and there's just some irresponsibility there, or there's just a whole list of things that could have been, your dad and your heavenly father, are they the same? No, they're not. Everything... Your adopted father does is holy and perfect. He's righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Kindness. He's just flat out nice to you. If you grew up in a house where you knew that your dad loved you, but he just really wasn't very nice to you, you know? You weren't sure that he liked you (laughs) all that much? Your heavenly father's not like your dad. He's kind. Even when you're being a dummy. He's just kind. He just flat out likes you. 
Verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call Him truth. He's near. Your Heavenly Father is available. He's holistically available. In every place, in space and time, He is available. And not just parts of Him, but all of Him. He's, he's that big. Your dad maybe wasn't very available to you. Maybe he wasn't physically available. Maybe he wasn't there at all. Maybe he was there sparsely. Maybe, maybe he just worked a lot. Maybe he wasn't physically uh, around. And what that translates to is that you, other things are more important than you. If your dad was a workaholic and he was always at the office, always at the office, always at the office, even if his motive was like not sinister, what that tells you as a kid is that something that work is more important than you. And so how do we project that onto God? Well, everything's more important to God than us. You used to being an after you used to being an afterthought, and you assume that you're an afterthought to God as well. And this verse says, No, he is near to all who call on him. He is available. His physical proximity is always there. And so if your dad wasn't around, your heavenly father is not like your dad. Physically available, emotionally available. Some of your dads were around a lot, but like they never let you in. To, they, there was no emotional connection, no relationship. Your heavenly father is not like that. He lets us know when things make him sad. He's there with us in the moment. He's available to us. He's emotionally available. He's spiritually available. He's holistically, all the way across the board, whatever you want to think of it, he is near in every single possible way. He's not like our dads. 19. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Your heavenly Father does not ignore you. He always responds. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him, who respect Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. He's always responding. You'll never be ignored. Even if you feel like the response is is silence, and sometimes it is, silence is still a response. And it's still very loving and compassionate, and it's consistent with everything else that He is. But it's never that He is ignoring you. Or that he's too busy doing something else. Or that he just doesn't care that much. If your dad was that way, don't project that onto your Heavenly Father. Let your Heavenly Father be who he is. Verse 20. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Your Heavenly Father is a protector of his family. He protects us. You may be never felt super safe. Your father's not like your dad. He protects his family. Last one. 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. That last part, bless his holy name forever and ever. 
I want to say this in a way that I hope makes sense. Okay? Dads are temporary. Your heavenly father is eternal. And here's what I mean. You have been born into a family of some sort. And those relationships are going to exist until Jesus comes and makes everything new. And on the new earth, the relationships we have will be there. You know? So your, your mom, dad, sisters, brothers, friends, spouse, all those, you'll still know those people, but the, the labels won't be there. We'll just all be sons and daughters. We'll be siblings. And so, the wounds that we carry around, from the really, really deep, painful wounds, all the way to the ones that are just kind of annoying, whatever, all of those things have a shelf life. You will not carry this forever. That all of us are, like, like those things that are temporary, we, we acknowledge them, we give them their proper weight and respect, but our focus becomes like the forever and ever part. So if you had a really, really great dad, have a really great dad. As I said earlier, I hope that you're grateful. I hope this has not been weird, you know, in certain ways. You know, I hope that's just a great thing. But if your dad came up short, then guess what? Your dad's a normal human dude. Broken, in need of a redeemer, whose name is Jesus. And the things, things in his life that maybe were hurtful to you, or things you're struggling about projecting onto God and all that kind of stuff, those things have a shelf life. And those of you in this room who are parents, the, the shortcomings that you have, they have a shelf life to your kids. And to their kids. And that will just keep going until Jesus comes back. And then there's this like wiping clean of everything. And the only stuff that's going to keep going is Jesus and his kingdom and his family. And so as much as we may struggle with these father wounds, we need to know that they are short-lived. And they can be healed. And that God wants you to stop projecting things about your dad onto him. You know who else would want that? Your dad. And those of you who are dads, probably a little amen in the back of your mind, right? Right? And so I don't know where this fits in. I, I say that a lot. My community group makes fun of me for saying that all the time. But I don't. I, that's the truth. For some of you, you like have just been sitting there wishing this would end. But maybe, maybe from walking through this text, and maybe on Tuesday, maybe sharing some of those things, maybe you can figure yourself out a little bit. Maybe you can be like, man, my dad was a workaholic, and so I always kind of felt like I wasn't important. So I kind of think God thinks that same way about me. I never thought about it that way. Man, my dad had such a short fuse, I was always like just afraid of him. I'm afraid of God. I never thought about it like that. If we can figure ourselves out, and you put that out in the light, and then you start to see it more. And then you start to see how ridiculous it can be to project. And then you see a text like this, and you're like, well, that's who he is, and so I'm just going to make it all about him. 
So this has not at all been about like bashing our fathers or judging them or assessing them. It's really about looking at, look at how amazing our God is. And don't you want to live in the fullness of Psalm 145 and not carry around the baggage that you accumulated however growing up? Isn't that what we're, part of what progressive sanctification is? Isn't that what living in community helps us to do? We start to leave the lies behind us and we start to walk in freedom. Something that, that has become common phrase around the, the ring is we read some books a few years ago in our groups that talked about false narratives. What that means is that the stories that we experience in life teach us things. And much of the time, they teach us the wrong thing. And so in growing up, you learn some things incorrectly about what, it, what a father, like who a father is and is supposed to be to you and how do you relate to them. You, you mislearned it. And so now we're relearning it. It's beautiful. It's not always fun, but it's beautiful. So I hope this has made sense to you. I hope that God helps us all to see he's not like our dads. He loves our dads. He loves you. He wants us to see him for who he is. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this psalm. I mean, who knows what your intentions were um, when David wrote it, but um, it is a blessing. It's a blessing to us to see who you are, see you described in such a real and powerful ways, and it's very humbling. God, you know the the various father wounds that exist in this room. Um, and we kind of know a little bit about each other, but I'm sure that different parts of our hearts and minds were uh, impacted tonight by these scriptures. So I pray, Father, you just help us be responsible with it. I mean, we don't want we don't want to live in a way that's inconsistent with who you are. We want to relate to you in the fullness of what you've made possible. So we need your help separating. The false narratives from the true narrative. We need your help letting the baggage go. We need your help um, to not project. We love you. As we sing a little bit, I pray you'd help um, kind of pack some dirt in on top of the seeds that you've planted or stirred up in us tonight. We love you. pray this in your name. Amen.